he's on the radio, he's gotta show, he's gotta know that all the foes will listen to his silliness, his willingness to thrill us like Skrillex would if we were into Skrillex. And there'll be bits mixed in and like nuts in a tin can, or brains in a tin can, man, this one man band can jam and jam, he's got no shame, he's unafraid to throw it all against the wall and see what's this, see what's this. He don't give he don't give even if it sucks, he don't give Cause there's plenty more jumps in with that f***ing person With this crappy as chef and he don't give a crap He just yaps and he 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 yaps on the pursuit Turn down the commie music. It's enough of that. Hi, Kenny Webster here. No, we just this is the we're getting used to it, guys. Now that Lena Hidalgo's in charge of Harris County, we've gotten very used to the Soviet anthems being played in the town square. All right, I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but I do think that now is as good a time as any to remind people we don't do enough to lift up our side. This is a reason why our side loses all the time. We have a better product. We have worse messaging. We have a better product. We have worse marketing. A little over a month ago, I spoke at the Texas Youth Summit with my buddy Christian Collins. Great guy. Don, Don Jr. was there, Charlie Kirk, a lot of people. It was during the weekend when the budget vote was happening, so a lot of the lawmakers that were expected to be in attendance didn't make it, and that's okay. I gave a speech, all a bit impromptu, where I talked about one of the problems with our side versus theirs is that on our side, we don't lift up artists. You know, there's a lot of people in conservative media. There's a lot of people in conservative politics. There's a lot of young, smart people that go work as staff members at special interest groups, think tanks, Republican elected officials, offices. But kind of like Mark Judge recently asked, why doesn't conservative media support conservative art? Why doesn't conservative media lift up conservative art? Earlier this year, is a very talented Catholic filmmaker, Paul Rowland, released his first film. The film was called Exemplum. It was written, it was produced, it was directed, it starred Rowland himself. It was shot in black and white. The film tells the story of a priest whose obsession with social media fame leads him to criminal activity. The cost of making this film was about $10,000. That is a remarkable achievement. On top of that, it turns out it's a good movie. Well acted, edited, paced. The black and white visuals give it a very immersive element of film noir. You know, this guy lives in Pasadena, California with his wife and their baby. He's a Catholic. He's a conservative. He seems like the kind of artist that the right's been waiting for. But lo and behold... You don't really hear many people talking about him, do you? We complain about Hollywood all the time, yet his film only got one notice on Breitbart. Nothing in the Daily Wire, Blaze Media, Fox News. And this points to a serious problem on our side. When there's a gifted young singer, a filmmaker on the left, the entire media ecosystem works in tandem to lift that person up. There's a special interest piece about them in Vanity Fair, the Hollywood Reporter, publishes the biography of this artist. 
The Washington Post or the New York Times sends a journalist out to follow him on tour. There are profiles on morning shows, financial grants. Everybody pulls in one direction. Meanwhile, on the conservative side of the aisle, it's almost the exact opposite, isn't it? There's a lot of gatekeeping. Everyone's protecting their own turf. Conservative media companies want to pr promote their own products. Whereas on the left, everyone lends a hand to uplift the talent. On the right, there's more of an effort to ignore it. So, it's a problem, right? There's this website, the Washington Free Beacon. They did a lengthy interview a little while back with the person that was asking this initial question, Mark Judge. This guy wrote an interesting book, The Devil's Triangle. It recounted his experience as a target during the 2018 Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. It's not a, it's a political book, but it's also a cultural one. And it's done very well on Amazon.com. Strangely enough, if this same author had been a liberal, there would have been a love fest. They would have been talking about this guy on Vanity Fair and Vogue. It always seems like on the right, we're so quick to dismiss creative people. Andrew Breitbart famously said, politics is downstream from culture. Politics is downstream from culture. Neither culture nor politics will flourish if there's no water. We have to put territory aside. We have to put our personal beefs aside. We need to support artists who can change the culture. I encourage you to do so. If there's anybody out there that knows what I'm talking about, if you guys know about a great conservative artist, be that person an actor, a director, an author, a musician, or just somebody making paintings, I'd like to know who that person is. I'd like to lift them up on this radio station. I'd like to offer, look, I'm not the biggest radio show host in America. I'm not even the biggest radio show host in Houston. But we have a platform. We have an audience here. I have tens of thousands of people that tune into this radio show every week and over a million that listen to my morning show that I'm lucky enough to co-host and produce with the very brilliant Steve Johnson. Let's get these people out there. Let's lift them up. Spread the word. Spread the gospel. We need more good news. Good news isn't good news unless it's news. It's just something that's good. If we don't tell anybody about it, what have we done? I love good news. You know, there's a fun story today. This Army veteran out of Florida intervened during a carjacking attempt. The Army veteran was able to stop the suspect from escaping after pulling a pregnant woman out of her car. Here's Shane Spicer talking about helping the apprehended carjacker. Just getting started with the day. Maybe been awake for 20, 25 minutes. Uh, I live about a mile from that Starbucks. I'm going to get you, buddy. <laughs> like, you're not going anywhere now. Like, you cross the line. I feel like if, if you got, like, the ability to watch out for someone that you should, yeah, I would just hope to say that someone would do the same for my family. Amen to that. Again, good news isn't good news unless it's news. Spread the word. Pursuit of Happiness Radio. This is Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness on KPRC 950 Houston.
will never believe me when I tell them this, especially younger people. But a long time ago, a very long time ago, Disney was a popular family brand that was beloved by Americans. What happened? I always kind of figured when Disney bought Star Wars and Marvel, those brands would get better. And I think for a brief period, they did. I mean, look, comic book movies have become kind of cliche. Star Wars has obviously always been cliche, but... It's fun. It's entertaining. I mean, like, okay, a baseball game's cliche. Who cares? If it's entertaining, it's entertaining. The problem is, at some point, Marvel, Disney, they kind of forgot what it was that people wanted. There was recently an episode of South Park. I know a lot of you have seen it. The Panderverse, I believe, is the name of it. It's an hour-long episode. You can watch it on Paramount+. Plus, and they just talk about how Disney ruins everything. Disney stepped in and decided that every TV show, every movie needed a diverse lesbian. So Carmen pretends to be, what's her name? Kathleen Kennedy, is that her name? The the Disney vice president of content. And he walks around, he says, put a diverse lesbian in it, make it suck. And I'm like, well, no, no, ma'am, this is, a, this is Bambi. It's a movie about a deer. Put a diverse lesbian in it and make it lame. And then 24 hours after that aired on Paramount Plus, Disney canceled snow white i guess they didn't cancel it they delayed it and they pushed it back here well not surprisingly the disney stocks plummeting all the disney franchises are falling apart and i know i'm not the only one that noticed this my buddy brandon morris he's kind of a nerd himself not unlike me a true geek in and of himself he's an author and a writer and an editor at redstate.com brandon what have they done to our beloved comic book movies <laughs> uh, the, it, it, they made it fall victim to the modernity curse. We'll just say that. It's the uh, it's the curse of modernity. It, it is everything has to have a DEI influence on it. Uh, everything has to be pro feminism. Everything has to be uh, inclusive and, and you know there there's gotta be race swaps and there's gotta be sex swaps and there's gotta be lesbianism and gays and transgenderism if you can wiggle it in there. Uh, that's that's what it is. It's become a mess of ESG appeasement. That's pretty much what it's become. And that's why Marvel is pretty much on its way out the door. I don't care what the mainstream media says. There was like an article on the Hollywood reporter right now talking about how, well, you know, Marvel's not dead yet. It's pretty dead. If you actually look at the numbers that the Marvels are bringing in right now, uh, the failure that was Ant-Man quantum mania, you know, you had at least some hope with uh, guardians of the galaxy three, but that was, a completely disconnected movie from a director who was on his way out the door anyway and didn't care about what the whole ESG thing that Disney wanted anyway. They just went forward with something really good. And the rest of it's just collapsing. Um, and, and you know what? I can't think of a company that deserves this collapse more than <laughs> Disney Marvel. All right, so Blue Beetle. I don't even know anyone that's seen it. I've not heard anybody speak about it. This movie might mm -hmm. as well have not been released. You look at the box office numbers, they barely broke even on it. And for a Disney Marvel mm -hmm. comic movie to barely break even, that really shows you how poorly it did. Yeah. Well, I mean, Blue Beetle is, is DC. Um, oh. And, and they... Shows <laughs> what I know. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But, I mean, like, it's, you know why? No, no, you bring up a really good point by saying that. You know why you don't know the difference between them? It's because there is none right now. The whole thing about DEI and ESG appeasement when it comes to these properties and them releasing these movies is that they all have to follow certain guidelines. They all have to look, sound, and, and act very similar. 
So whenever you see one, you can't tell the difference from the other. You know, it's because they've become cardboard cutout characters. It's become super predictable. There's really no serious storyline or character driven difference between any of these superheroes anymore. So, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that you didn't know that Blue Beetle was DC and not Marvel, you can't be blamed for that at all because they're all the same. Yeah, and I didn't see it, so that's probably part of it. But, okay, so what they've done is they've taken the formula that we all loved from a decade or two ago, and they made it woke. They put DEI in it. They put the the feminism, neo-feminism in it. The new thing is the Marvels. And this mm-hmm. is this is yeah. Brie, what's her name? Nobody's seeing it. Nobody's Brie Larson. Globally, yeah. nobody's watching this thing, much less here in the United States. And isn't that amazing? Because for a long time, the point they were trying to make was this this stuff was too misogynistic. It was too male-oriented. Right. So they've come along right. and they've made w- movies for women, and women don't care. Right. And, and, and why should they, though? I mean, like, no one should really care about this stuff. One of the main reasons that the Marvel is, is failing right now is because of its titular character which is Captain Marvel. And I don't, you know, the last Captain Marvel, oh, made over a billion dollars. Well, it was sandwiched between some really important movies, including Endgame, which was the big finale. So everyone wanted to go see it just to make sure that they were all caught up with the character and the storyline and stuff like that. Well, we're now far removed from Endgame and the ending of the actual MCU, right? Now, everyone who went to go see the Marvels really, or I'm sorry, Captain Marvel, had nothing really great to say about it. Captain Marvel is a boring character. She's every feminist dream. She is super stoic. She's perfect. She's super strong. She never loses fights. All right. The only thing, you know what? She has one flaw. She has one flaw. And it's the same flaw that all these super feminist characters have. She doesn't realize how perfect she is. But by the end of the movie, she finds out and she's more powerful than before. You know, this is, that's the common that's the common storyline. So whenever you have a character like that has no hero's journey, no, no defining characteristics, it's just a wooden cutout of a character, no one's going to come see your movie. You're a boring character. You're boring. No one wants to come watch you. So, of course, the Marvels is going to fail because it doesn't have to have one perfect woman. It has three. Why? Why go see this movie? That's so funny. And then uh, the the other thing that's remarkable to me is the shows, right? Disney Plus came out, and I think at first people were into it. You had Mandalorian, which was from the Star Wars franchise, and then you Mm -hmm. had WandaVision was pretty good. Loki was seemed interesting to me that first season. Uh, Captain America was boring. The Winter Soldier was boring. Mm Um, didn't uh, p- pandering, boring uh, DEI stuff. Now I guess they've come back and done another season of Loki. I don't even subscribe anymore. But I tried watching mm-hmm. half of the first episode and I just can't get into it. They they ruined yeah. it. They take everything that's good and they crap on it. Uh, what's going on with Star Wars? So I mean, it's really kind of the same thing. I mean, South Park really did nail it with their analysis of Kathleen Kennedy. And her treatment of Star Wars, it's put a chick in it and make it lame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the same. Let me, let me be very clear to your audience. I have no problem with female characters. Sure. I just have bad pro- I have a problem with bad female characters, very horribly written female characters. And that's pretty much what you're getting out of any Disney property right now, especially with Star Wars. Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy can't help but substitute any character, doesn't matter what it is and put a girl in it, make her the lead, even if she's not the lead. Obi-Wan's a really great example of this. Put her in the lead and make her super strong, stronger than all the men, more competent than all the men, all right? And she's supposed to end up being the good guy, even if she's the bad guy. 
it's it's really stupid. There's no reason to watch it because again, I mean, they all have to follow the same story beats in order to to be compliant with ESG and DEI standards. So you have the same story over and over again. So even if you were to watch Star Wars, it's going to have the same feel and flavor of a Marvel movie. It's the same no matter where you go. And it's it's, it's sad because when you really think about it, man, Marvel and Star Wars were multi-billion dollar even Disney, multi-billion dollar industries, you know, that were churning out some really imaginative and, and hardcore great stuff, all right? Now it's dead because politics has been forced into it by people who wanted to either convey a ideology into the, into the populace by using really great stuff that better men and women had built as a delivery system, or they want to self-insert themselves into stories, and it just never works. That's exactly That's kind of what's happening right now. Yeah, the yeah. new South Park is just genius. If you haven't seen it yet, it came out, I don't know, I guess it's a couple weeks old at this point. It's called Joining the Panderverse. And yeah, Kathleen Kennedy, if you don't know who this woman is, she's the person at Disney that, that she just destroyed everything. Cal, Cal, I'm back. I was so wrong about Kathleen Kennedy, Cal. She's so awesome. Okay, what Cartman is this? Miss Kennedy, you're back. Great to see you, ma'am. Thanks, you guys. We have a lot of changes to discuss at the company. From now on, we're only going to make original content that doesn't pander. Sure we will, Kate. Sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that South Park, uh, I don't know how it's possible, but this show continues to get better no matter how long it's been on the air for? Yeah, no, South Park, I've always said this about South Park, despite its, its kind of gross exterior, its gaudy exterior and you know, it's fart jokes and stuff like that. It has always been the most intelligent show on television because it's willing to tell the truth through absurdity. And uh, it has, this is why it's remained good. You know, South Park has gone through very few changes throughout its entire history. Um, it actually just continues to make fun of the stuff that you're not supposed to make fun of or point out. Um, it, it slaughters sacred cows, which is an important, that's like the whole point of comedy is to slaughter sacred cows to make sure that something in our society doesn't get taken too seriously or take itself too seriously, because then it starts to take over, you know, uh, people's minds. It starts to alter the way that we have conversations. Political correctness is a really great example of this. But <laughs> so long as South Park is around, they're going to continue to tell the truth by making fun of things. And I, and I kind of think that they're super important to our society and I hope they never go away. Joe, Brandon Morris, the Brandon Morris on X, that's the platform previously known as Twitter. He's also the host of Brandon Morris is a brand risk. That's hilarious. That's on Rumble. And he's the senior editor at Red State. Check out his work. Brandon is a Texan. He lives in Dallas. He's from Galveston and Waco. And so I imagine you probably have something in common with him. They say whenever you lose sight of the enemy, look behind you. Yeah, that's some bad paranoia right there. Probably brought on by a bong rip or two. Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness. In the last hour, we were joined by journalist Brandon Waltons, one of the editors of TexasScorecard.com, and we were talking about the unbelievable costs of illegal immigration. The numbers of people coming over the border right now are astronomical. I mean, like comically big. The financial cost, the human cost, the lives lost down at our southern border, it doesn't even sound real. If you missed it, I cannot encourage you to do this enough. I don't say this enough. Subscribe to the Pursuit of Happiness radio podcast. A lot of people do. Our podcast is downloaded 
tens of thousands of times a week, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of times a month. And we're very grateful for that. But honestly, I don't think we do enough to mention that on the show. If you ever miss a segment, you could subscribe to it. One easy way to keep up to date with us, besides the iHeartRadio app, is download the Walden and Johnson smartphone app. And that's available for both iPhone and Android. And you'll notice at the bottom tab there in the app, if you click the second tab, boom. It's Pursuit of Happiness Radio, so it's a fun way to listen to the show and to communicate with everybody on your favorite morning show as well. So do that. It's a very cool thing. To, we hope you do. It's free. Doesn't cost a dime. And we asked Brandon to come back and do another segment with us right now because I don't know if you've heard, but your lawmakers in this state, your elected officials are in Austin right now at a fourth special session of the year. A fourth special session, Brandon. It almost makes you wonder, why didn't anything get done the first three times? Exactly right. And I mean, here we are, we're getting to this point now uh, that, uh, you know, it seems like perennially uh, we've got a full-time legislature in Austin, but it's not because they keep getting business added. I mean, literally, it's the same stuff. It is the same bills uh, that repeatedly have been killed in the Texas House that they're having to address over and over again. Today, uh, we've got border security legislation being discussed, uh, you know, making it a state penalty for illegal entry, empowering law enforcement to send people back across, just certainly good stuff. But all eyes are going to be on the Texas House on Friday when it is expected that they will finally um, take up school choice legislation, which has never gotten a vote in the Texas House. Um, and so this is, uh, you know, one way or another, whether this passes or not, it, it's going to be historic to see this vote happen. And there's a, certainly a, you know, a lot of questions about which way this will end up going. All right. So what's holding it up? Well, it's, uh, you know, you could blame Democrats. Uh, certainly Democrats in Texas, uh, Democrat lawmakers, rather, um, have opposed school choice efforts by and large, uh, despite the fact, by the way, that if you look at polling, Democrat voters actually do um, approve of school choice. But uh, it's not just Democrats. Unfortunately, you have a, a, a block of anywhere between 10 to 20 Republicans, um, depending on you know how you're counting, that have repeatedly said that they do not support this, despite the fact that Governor Abbott has made it his top priority and he's been going around the state and said he's going to keep calling lawmakers back until they pass it. Uh, the, there's a certain group of members that have been defiant on this. And so, but up until now, they've never had to take an up or down vote on the bill. And I think that, uh, I think it's important, uh, that, 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 that finally happens so we can see who exactly, uh, you know, uh, is on which side. It's my understanding this latest version of the bill includes more spending for public schools, more money for public school teachers. Uh, it actually excludes people that make too much money from the vouchers or however they're doing that. So the people that benefit from so-called school choice are actually working class and middle class families, the very people that need the money. It's not rich people don't get to qualify for this. Is that correct? Uh, exactly. Uh, this um, this legislation, well, uh, it, it, everybody is, is eligible for it, at least at the, the last version I looked at. Okay. Um, but there's a limited pot of money, and so there is a um, uh, sort of a, a, a hierarchy of, of how, who, who is eligible for it, which um, is, is somewhat based on that. Um, it's also tied to a lot of uh, increased school funding, teacher pay raises, some other things. Uh, and so uh, we'll see. How could liberals not want that? I mean, 
just explaining it out loud. Forget that this was a right versus left thing. Forget that this was conservative versus liberal or libertarian versus pro-government. How could liberals be upset about a bill that gives more money to public schools, more money to public school teachers, and gives low-income families the opportunity to go to private school? Brandon, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't get it either, especially when the polling shows it. Um, unless you look at where Democrats get, you know, what, what their power base is from. And, and these, they, they really don't want to go against these liberal teacher unions. And, uh, you know, anything that might um, allow parents to not be subject to the government school monopoly is, is a really existential threat to, to those unions. And so I think that's a big reason why you're seeing them push back. Okay, that's another thing I don't understand at all. I thought in Texas, the teachers unions were kind of limp-wristed. They don't really have that much influence here. Am I wrong about that? Uh, we absolutely have t- teacher unions in Texas, and but, but, you see them show up in droves. But uh, not like Texas in a blue Capitol. state, right? Like it's not they're they're not powerful here the way they are in Illinois and California, are they? Uh, they certainly are with Democrats. I can tell you that, and uh, with some Republicans as well. You know, you literally have these teachers unions that almost exclusively endorse Democrats nationwide. Um, actually, have endorsed some of the Republicans in the Texas House. All right, one of the biggest critics of school choice on social media has been Houston-area lawmaker, State Representative Gene Wu, District 137. Not just a leftist, an authoritarian leftist. And I can't help but notice he hasn't really said anything on social media during this entire fourth special session. I know you don't know why, but if you had to guess, this is a guy that's on Twitter all the time. I mean, unless he was suspended or something, why is he suddenly so quiet about this? Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting observation. I mean, normally, uh, normally he's pretty outspoken to say the least. Uh, so I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't tweeted anything since Veterans Day. And this guy, this is a guy that was mocking Governor Abbott for for actually adding to the bill increased spending for public schools and stuff. All right. So all that being said, that's what's going on there. Let's talk about Attorney General Ken Paxton. Now calling on the Texas House to reveal the cost of impeachment, Lieutenant Governor requested a full audit filing following the trial in September. I'd like to know, how much money did we piss away on this little dog and pony show that Dade Phelan pulled off in the Texas House? And do you think we'll ever find out? Uh, I certainly hope so. You know, the Senate's provided their numbers, apparently, to the state auditor. The Office of the Attorney General has as well. And according to Attorney General Paxton, the House still has not. Um, and worse yet, when members have tried to ask, hey, what's the status of this? Uh, Phelan won't answer the question. Uh, shuts them up, won't let them ask. And so, um, you know, just absolutely amazing. But you know that this thing costs millions of dollars. Yeah. And, and I, I guess, I, you know, we can only assume here, probably the reason he doesn't want anybody to know is because it's worse than you'd think. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, very, very possible. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so while you're on the top, on the line here, if you're just turning on the radio, I'm talking to Brandon Walton's TexasScorecard.com. Brandon, a Pilot Point employee has been charged with grooming a teenage student. For those that don't know, Pilot Point, this is an independent school district. Uh, this is just another reason we need school choice. People could say, yeah, but Kenny, you know, these things could happen at a private school too. Yeah, of course they could. But what if you don't have the choice? Can you give us the details on the story? 
say that uh, say that again. Sorry, uh, the, cut out. <laughs> it's okay. So Pilot Point ISD Police Department sent out a press yeah. release saying 35-year-old Javier Arisirius, I'm not a, I don't speak Spanish, but uh, served as athletic trainer in the district. He's being terminated following an ongoing investigation of grooming a teenage student. Now, again, you know, like this could happen at a private school. I get it. It could happen at a charter school. It's this isn't it's not like nothing but public school is immune to this stuff. But the reason this is so frustrating to me is if you don't have any other choice in your town but to send your kids to Mm -hmm. the place, the public school where where you know there have been problems in the past, that could be very frustrating. What, What exactly where is Pilot Point anyway? Uh, that's up in uh, North Texas, uh, sort of north of Dallas. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, imagine, imagine being in a situation where you know you 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 can't uh, you can't move your child somewhere else, and you're finding out that you have literally criminals, people who are grooming children inside the school. Um, just absolutely horrifying, and just literally one of just many reasons why people are saying we need school choice now. Yeah, it seems so obvious. All right, well, let's hope we can push it over the threshold before this special session ends. Hey, one more thing before you go. Uh, you're not far away from Austin. I know you guys are right outside of Austin with your, your office up there. 10,000 pro-Palestine protesters marching in Austin the other day, many of them wearing Hamas scarves, uh, Hamas hoodies, things like that. I had no idea that you that Austin is now Ostbekistan or uh, or or Aust Aust uh, De- like Dearbornistan it's Austin is basically an Islamic state when you see these many people out marching yeah no kidding i mean the 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 video and what you saw there and uh, i mean it looks like well frankly it looks like what we've seen at big cities across the country which is really really concerning yeah no kidding worse than you'd think have you heard anything about what happened at the demonstration uh, no, other than the fact that, uh, I mean, you have a lot of these people out there. Most of them don't know. This is the thing we should probably talk about forever. I mean, most of them have no idea, don't know anything about the, the Israel-Palestine war, have, have no idea why they're out there. Um, and, and yet, uh, and yet they, they continue to go out in March. It's just uh, amazing. Hey, Brandon, queers for Palestine, am I right? <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised to see a banner like that. Let I, me say that. I guarantee it was out there. That's the voice of Brandon Walton's a familiar voice on this radio show. You can find his work at TexasScorecard.com. You can follow him on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Find him on there. You'll be glad you did. And while you're on the... Uh, if, you, if you don't use X, and that's fine. I get it. Uh, subscribe to the email list at TexasScorecard.com. This is Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness on KPRC 950, Houston. I've given some very strong consideration to running the Houston Marathon again. I'm, um, like a lot of you, I, I care a lot about military veterans. And in 2022, I ran the Houston Marathon it was uh, one of the most grueling experiences of my life. My nipples bled. I know, my nipples bled. I never thought that was going to happen. That was a little embarrassing. Did not expect bloody nipples. Who does? Who's expecting? Blood? Well, that's what happened to me. But we raised a lot of money for a great cause, Wheelchairs for Warriors. We have another event coming up on December 15th at Giant Texas Distillers. It's free. If you all want to go. We're going to be raising money again for our friends at Wheelchairs for Warriors. Why are we doing this? There's a need for it. Sadly, our VA hospitals do not offer 
military veterans the support that they need, particularly disabled military veterans who need wheelchairs. Yeah, some of them get wheelchairs. They're rickety. They're not very good. Some of them don't get a wheelchair when they clearly deserve one. So come hang out with us 7 p.m. Friday, December 15th at Giant Texas Distillers. It's for a very awesome cause. And with that in mind, I try to tip my hat and offer a little acknowledgement to anybody that shares that sentiment that we need to stop once in a while and serve those that have served us. That's why I'm a pretty big fan of this guy. Jeremy Stallnecker is involved in a project right now, 22 for 22. It's the 22 for 22 challenge. Jeremy, where are you from, my man? I uh, live in uh, Southern California and uh, work with an organization based out of Texas, actually. So I'm, I'm kind of a man without a home. I'm from all over. Why California? You know, I get asked that question a lot. You may not be surprised <laughs> to hear. <laughs> but, uh, you don't say. <laughs> you know, I grew up, yeah, I grew up here. Uh, my family's here. My grown kids work here. So uh, in spite of all the problems that we have, this is home. And uh, I, I travel so much that I'm rarely here. But uh, this is where, where we're from. Your governor, I know this is not why you called, boy, he has a very friendly relationship with that Xi Jinping guy. Well, you know. He uh, he wants to be Xi Jinping, so that's it. I think I think that's why he has that relationship. I think it's a mentoring kind of relationship. But uh, yeah, our governor's terrible, and uh, so are so many of our elected officials. Um, but man, we're praying that someday we get back on track. And we have a president right now that is not exactly friendly with the military veterans in this country. I mean, people forget this, but Joe Biden was part of Obama's administration, and Obama had mm -hmm. the VA scandal. VA hospitals all over the country had these fake waiting lists for people that needed serious help, both physical and mental health. And people died, Jeremy. I mean, it, it's, yes. sometimes we have to remind people of this. Our government is Our government has a financial incentive to let these people die. And that's a very sobering thing to say out loud, but it's true. Well, it's crazy. And, you know, the work that I'm involved in with the Mighty Oaks Foundation, our nonprofit, and there's some great nonprofits serving veterans. You talked about raising money for veteran wheelchairs. Um, I'm so grateful that we as citizens can do this work, but it breaks your heart that our government is not doing the work of taking care of the men and women they're sending into harm's way around the, around the world. And that's a reality. And so the rest of us need to step into that. Again, I think we should. It's great that we can. But why isn't our government doing that? We think of Biden specifically, you mentioned that when President Trump was in office, he reinstituted what was called the Veterans Administration Office of Faith-Based Solutions. And it was just another solution, another opportunity for those who are struggling to get help. And uh, one of the first things that the Biden administration did was close that office down and uh, began to streamline the services for veterans. And, and by streamline, I mean cut uh, vet services for veterans. And it's just, yeah, there's no love. We could look at Afghanistan. I mean, we could give very specific, very concrete examples. Uh, no respect, no love for the military. But that's what the rest of us step into. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think a lot of people forgot about that. The Veterans, the Center for Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships. That's It's remarkable how little the Biden administration cares. Well, of course they don't care. They can't wait to get us involved in two more wars, but they certainly don't care what happened to these veterans when they come home. D did you serve, Jeremy? How did you get into this stuff? Yeah, I served in the United States Marine Corps. Um, I was uh, an infantry platoon commander. My last deployment was to Iraq in 2003. I was part of the initial um, invasion, incursion <laughs> into Iraq. 
our last battle was the Battle of Baghdad on April 10th, and then uh, we came home, and I processed out of the Marine Corps. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I mean, honestly, I admire that. I, I worked, I've worked in radio my entire adult life. So it's what it's, if I described what I did in my early twenties, it's marginalizing at best to people like you that <laughs> sacrificed, but we all benefited from people that, that took the time to do that. And so now as you've gotten a little older, you've decided to focus some attention on military suicide, haven't you? We have. And again, I mentioned I work for an organization that works with veterans and service members um, every day. We have programs and that's what we do. But as we've come into Veterans Day um, every year, we do our best to highlight the veteran suicide issue, which is it's overwhelming. Yeah, no kidding. So the 22 for 22 challenge, is that what it sounds like? You're running 22 marathons to try to stop 22 people from killing themselves every day? Uh, well, yeah. So... Uh, when I when I talked to my kids about doing this, they said, you know, this isn't going to stop veteran suicide. And I said, thank you. I appreciate that. The love of my children. How old are they? Um, um, I have a 24-year-old, a 22-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 14-year-old. Which so, one was the pessimist? Uh, I think it was all of them. I, I don't know which one specifically. <laughs> it sounds like something any of them would say. Sure, especially so, the teenagers, right? <laughs> especially the teenagers. Um but really what it was, and so it ended uh, on Veterans Day, so just a couple of days ago, I ran one marathon a day for 22 days. And the goal was not specifically to end veteran suicide, but to highlight the fact that 22 veterans every single day, and, and honestly, the number I'm sure is, is higher than that, but we're told it's about 22 a day, take their lives. And we want to talk about the issue, but then point to solutions, point to organizations like ours, the Mighty Oaks Foundation and others who are doing the work of uh, intervening and giving hope and purpose and direction. Um, and so, yeah, it really was a, an opportunity for me to do something big, <laughs> get some attention so that I could talk about this critical issue. How much have you raised so far? Um, so it's, it's hard to tell exactly. Our goal was to raise $100,000. We've gotten close um, and had a lot of people come along and support um, it, man, it's been crazy how many people have seen that and said, we want to get involved in that. And so we'll see in the next couple of weeks what all shakes out, but we've done pretty well. How, how much have you ran, ran so far? How many miles? Uh, so I finished on on November 11th, so just a couple of days ago. I ran 576.4 miles. Um, and that was, you know, 22 straight days of 26.2 miles. Um, some of those were big marathons, ran the Marine Corps Marathon, the Charlotte Marathon, ran my final marathon in Texas, uh, in Conroe. Uh, but a lot of that was me getting up and, you know, wherever I happened to be, I traveled all over the country, um, getting up and running 26.2. And uh, to your point, uh, there were a lot of uh, chafe nipples and a, <laughs> a lot of other things you experience, you don't think you're going to experience. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got it done and it was a, it was a tough thing. Jeremy, the bloody nipples thing. I, I've been running my whole yeah. life, but I never ran a marathon until I was in my late 30s. And I couldn't believe how excruciatingly painful it was. <laughs> and in ways I did not expect. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's funny. You can run five miles, ten miles. There's something about that pushing over 20 and the sweat and that T-shirt that you think is so soft, man. It becomes, uh, it becomes sandpaper. You got to lube those things up, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's a it. lesson. That's a that's a pro tip for anyone listening. What What did you think of Conroe? Uh, so our headquarters is in Conroe, um, 
And uh, it's, man, it's a great place, a very patriotic place. There's a lot going on there. Uh, you know, you can go into the woodlands, which is beautiful. You can go into some rough areas. You can get into Houston. But, uh, yeah, Texas is great. Do you go get some barbecue while you're there? You can't avoid barbecue while you're there. Um, Lupe Tortilla, you always hit that, and then you find a good barbecue place. Oh, God, I love so every Lupe. time I'm there. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, while, while you're out there, now they got a Gringo's. I don't know if you've been to Gringo's Tex-Mex yet. I have not. No, I haven't. You got no, to You got to go. It's so good. Jeremy. Jeremy Stallnecker, how do people find you online if they want to go look at what you're doing? So find me, just use my name, Jeremy Stallnecker, on all the socials. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram and just using my full name, J-E-R-E-M-Y-S-T-A-L-N-E-C-K-E-R, Jeremy Stallnecker. And to learn more about the Mighty Oaks Foundation, uh, go to our website, mightyoaksprograms.org. My brother, Jeremy Stallnecker, Mighty Oaks Foundation. I'm looking at their page right now. Here it is on Instagram, not hard to find. To the rest of you, I say have an awesome afternoon. we got a lot coming up. Jimmy Barrett's on the way. Jesse Kelly, Fox News at the top of the hour. I hope you all have an awesome afternoon. Please drive safe out there. You are listening to the pursuit of happiness radio. Tell the government to your ass when you listen to the show